0: To Lacazette, down, round the goalkeeper, gets to the byline, he's very wide, but then turns and shoots and scores a stunning equaliser
1: for Arsenal. There's a chance on here for Chikorito Hernandez! It's 4-2 to West Ham. Lamella's in, angles tight, goal! Eric Lamilla, super one-two with Son heung min and Eric Lamella gives Spurs the lead.
0: He needed one touch of the ball, Raheem Sterling. And he pulled the trigger and he planted the ball across the face of Alex McCarthy and into the far corner. Pompers in there and Chesney can't keep it out. United have scored again.
2: It's the Premier League preview show for week 12 of the 18-19 season. I'm Tom Rennie and coming up this weekend... Jose Mourinho swaggers straight from victory in Turin to the home of Manchester United's closest rivals. Can they pull off another shock result just like they did in their last visit to Manchester City? Elsewhere, Newcastle and Huddersfield both won last week. Is this for real? Have they turned the corner? It's home games for both and a chance to go back to back. It's our last show before the Wayne Rooney testimonial international break, so we best get to it it's the premier league preview show let's say hello to our panel starting with talk sports football editor david walker how are you mate you're right? yeah very good tom Great to have you with us as ever, looking very smart and sharp and ready for some hot football debate. Oh, that's makes why I invite you. No, that's how you always are. <laughs> uh, also with us on the programme, a former Premier League winner with Manchester United. I'm assuming the chief cheerleader of the Jose Mourinho fan club as of this week is Mr Paul Parker. How are you, mate? I'm fine, thank you, Tom. Lots of praise for Jose <laughs> coming up. Just
3: Let's say, let's say <laughs> Manchester United won. Good that they won and they did it quite well as well
2: Good man, well handled Also with us this week a former captain of Manchester City and West Ham United more importantly Steve Lomas is here How are you mate? I'm
1: very well Tom
2: Great to have you all with us this week Uh, By the way if you're listening to this programme on a radio station you can download an extended podcast just search for TalkSport Premier League Preview Show on Acast, iTunes, Spotify any good podcast provider Right, let's get into match one Manchester City against Manchester United 4.30 UK time on Sunday City haven't lost any of their last 53 Premier League games against sides starting the day outside the top four and they've scored six goals in their last two games in just a week. Their opponents, Manchester United, defensive issues all season, conceded 18 goals in their 11 Premier League games so far this campaign. But in the last seven days, it's to come from behind away wins at Bournemouth and then against Juventus. Let's start, Paul Parker, with you, Jose Mourinho cups his ear to the fans in Turin following victory. He almost
3: seemed in a good mood
2: after the win. Have they turned the corner? Have you been impressed
3: by them in the last two games? I think if you're looking at a little bit of good fortune and you're looking for the facts of when you've been generally over the over the duration, poor for 45 minutes and you're getting through the back door, you'll accept it. But there's a, there's still a problem. There's a reason why you're not starting well. With the cupping of the ear, still a little bit classless in my opinion. manager of Manchester United and when you go to the likes of Juve you're expected to challenge them you're even expected to a point to be able to go there and win Mm. United have gone and done that very very late which is typical Champions League fashion spurs a testament to that and to go and do that you should be going around and saying yep 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 and you know and you should then be there shake hands but then if you want to shout and scream in your dressing room you do that but to go out there and take Go there for you and do what you do for your own personal reasons is actually disrespecting Manchester United in my opinion to go there. Because of his issues with Juve, even at Old Trafford he was holding three fingers up to yeah. a meaning I'd done a d I done I'd done ai done a proper treble, not their domestic one. Um he's not he's not giving, he's not giving Manchester
1: United as a club respect and Manchester United are losing it as a club. I think I think the thing about it as well as you know the questions were are the players behind them for me the players have answered that you know coming from behind a couple of times especially at UV alright they rid the luck but for me don't take the focus away from the players they have done it you know he gets credit for making the two subs because I think Martin Fellaini makes a massive difference in, in nicking the game oh, so, he's just, so he's got his credit he, yeah.
3: he doesn't need to do that Paul. Yeah, I'll just say one little yeah. bit you carry on yeah. Steve
1: Yes, is I
3: think the substitution by Juve was a catalyst of their yeah. downfall yeah.
1: yeah yeah, but listen at the end of the day he can only, he can only impact on his team yeah. he can't impact on what Juve's doing mm. he's made the call listen like you said they've ruled the luck could easily have been three 0 in the game out of sight, but you know, he's hung in there. The players are fighting for him and scrapping for him to the end. So they they they're really answering his questions. He doesn't need to do that, but unfortunately mm. it's in his nature.
2: Dave could I ask you a question on this, uh from the the press side of things, because I I don't buy into conspiracy theories a lot. I don't often wear my tin foil hat. But this week, uh, Jose Mourinho was cleared by an independent panel of his foul and abusive language at the end of the Newcastle game. The Football Association have now appealed that. If you're Mourinho with all this going on, I know it's a Champions League game, but he'll feel authorities are against him. Some of his own fans are against him. Opposition fans are against him. Is there an agenda against Jose
4: Mourinho? If there is one out there, I think Jose Mourinho can't really have too much complaints. You know, you live by the sword, you die by the sword. If you're going to go around waving your fingers in the air to the Juventus fans, you're going to tell Liverpool fans to shush mm. when you're a Chelsea manager, all this stuff. He's, he's
1: made a career out of it. I think as well, as other thing, the other thing, he was at the Chelsea incident where the assistant got up and gave him a bit, you know, lack of respect. Mm. You know, so it's, it's like you're saying, it's a double-edged sword. Mm. He can't He can't, you know, want respect without giving it out. And I think that's where the press are against him because he he just doesn't want to give that respect out which is due
2: there was a great line we, we can't play the audio here unfortunately but there was a great line in his post-match comments in Turin where he was asked what he said on the pitch and he said do you speak Italian and the interviewer says no and he says well the Football Association must have so asked them what I had to say which I thought was very funny uh, let's talk about the team uh, Alexis Sanchez starting up front Romelu Lukaku has been <laughs> quote unquote injured um, how's he done for you Alexis Sanchez and will he start there this weekend against City
3: Asking how he done last night. Yeah, and against Bournemouth as well. Again, I would say he was adequate, as best beer is he the ideal person to play in that role for Manchester United without Lukaku? No. At Arsenal, he'd done it and it worked well with Arsenal, the way they play. But you could see that United had a little bit more ball retention. You could see they went forward with more purpose because the ball was held up longer in the final third and generally well, it is with Lukaku there. So you can say it worked that way, with Lukaku not being there. But I'm looking—if I'm going to look to the game on um, at the weekend—I'm to have to say he could bring Lukaku back because he could go for sizes everything. I think you could see Fellaini come back. You could just see it being sizes everything because that's that's the one thing against it they are not a big team. Mm. Obviously, you have to get the ball to put the ball in the box. But still, when the opportunities. Occur, Manchester
1: United can take advantage as they did with their winning goal last night. I think set pieces, and certainly with Ashley Young's delivery, it's superb. You know, we'll have a chance. You look at Matty, you look at the size that they've got Mm. on the team, they've got probably six players six foot three and above you mm. know and City are fragile at, at defending set pieces. and that's plays. how they
4: did them last season right yeah, exactly you know, 100%. That's, how turned, that's how the game turned
2: and that weird few minutes where Paul Pogba and Alexis Sanchez looked like a world-class pairing I was doing that game and I can't I just remember thinking they're buried here, dead and buried. I think Sterling missed a late chance for City. Could have been 3 0 and he went all over. And there was a 10 minute spell where Pogba and Sanchez, it looked phenomenal. Uh, Pogba scored a couple, Sanchez set them both up. They played great football. Uh, I just wonder whether that front pairing. Pushing Pogba further forward. I think it may have been Darren Fletcher this week talking about playing Pogba off the striker.
3: In my opinion, that's correct. I've been saying it for quite a while. If you watch when he played for Juve before, you watch the way he played, he was always getting into the box. Even with France, you see him in a box more and more controlled. I think take away the element, the the bits where his games lack him, the bits where everybody's got an an opinion about him as a person, his application. Take that away and say, I need you in that box as often as possible. Mm -hmm. Threatening that final third. Go up, if you get the ball to your feet in the final third... Go one against one. Try and beat him because he's very good in that situation, Steve. Yeah,
1: exactly. Another thing as well is his little tricks and flicks. When he's on the defensive side, of which isn't very good, he isn't structured, he, he doesn't go with runners, he doesn't move his feet. All that nasty, dogged stuff that he's never really had to do. Mm. You know All them little tricks and flicks, you want him to be doing that in the opposition yeah. box. Another thing on Alexei Sanchez, I think he looks hungry again. I thought he he lost his hunger. He, he looked at at least the last two games. The Bournemouth game, he looked like he wants to get in them them positions by running forward. And I think you know him playing Pogba playing off him should be on paper a nice little foil. Yeah, I will say, and it's it's a little bit negative. Is that I've seen
3: everything about United, and you're you're saying about you just said there about uh, Mourinho might be getting his thing back, his mm. mojo back. If we use those use that word but I want to see what it's like if Manchester United go and get beat again. That's the next bit for me. Is he going to go back to what he was mm. before, or has he learnt from before he can't do that anymore? He's Surprise. certainly more
2: charming in victory than he is defeat. Oh, without a shadow of a doubt. Um We're going to move on to Man City. Um... The last game in midweek, they score six. Um, Briefly on Raheem Sterling, uh, you see the penalty decision that was
1: given against him. Should he have said something to the referee? He didn't touch me. Well, it's not his job to that. The referee's job is the referee. Maybe his job is to cut his toenails because he obviously tripped over one. (laughs) But uh, no listen. But it's not his
2: job. No stick for him, right? No.
1: No, it's not his job. Listen, Was it Robbie what, Fowler who fought, did fought it whatever. like a decade yeah, ago? Yes, he did. And he he, he obviously had, it doesn't didn't change the, the decision because he still got the penalty. Oh, I did think. he, but right? Yeah, he still got the penalty. So the referee wouldn't be able to change that, I don't think. I don't think it's ever happened, has it? No. Where, where he, players got up and said, sorry, that wasn't he, a penalty. No, and it it if he happen. did,
4: if he'd put his hand up, right, and said, ref, it's not a penalty, and and the referee for some reason listened to him or whatever. So that, that's, that's in a, a relatively meaningless game against Shakhtar Donetsk in the yeah. Champions League where they were coasting. he does it in that game what happens if he does it it happens again in this Mm. game last minute and it's nil nil in a manchester derby like, you set a dangerous precedent if. Would if, anyone
2: if put their hands that, up? Well, yeah. I mean, I, I, I like to think that I would, but I probably wouldn't.
3: I would. Would you? I would go and whisper in somebody's ear to the opponent <laughs> and say, Christ, I got away with that one, didn't I? And he might want to call me every name under the sun, but I'd <laughs> go to him. I wouldn't go to the fella who might be wearing the green, the orange, the yellow, the black top, yeah. with the whistle in his hand and tell say anything to him. You, There's no reason to do that. I, there was an argument going on last night. I think Jason Cundy was arguing with someone last night. On talk sport about it, and Jason was virtually telling him, "Don't players have got no reason to go and say it's not a penalty?" Hmm. And that's what that's what his argument was. He was arguing with someone from the press about it. It's
1: not to override, Listen, Raheem Sterling's in the form of his life. Yeah, he was fantastic in the game, and it's great. Listen, twenty-two-year-old British player. You know, he's now been talked Mm. about in the same breath for me as Aguero, De Bruyne, Silver at Man City, where he was a bit a year a year ago. You know, people are going, well, he flatters the deceive. He doesn't really do it against the big clubs. He's in in, in finishing. I think all tip the hat to the young man. He's worked on that there. He's worked and got better. Listen, there's still improvement to be made, which is frightening. Yeah, but the improvement he's made already has been fantastic, been been phenomenal. A
4: big area that he can improve, though, in is scoring against Manchester United. He's never done it in the Premier League. Mm.
2: For for Liverpool, for City, for anyone? Never scored against Manchester United in the Premier League.
4: Uh, This could be a
2: big weekend for it, then. Uh, And and he'll be in the front three, right? imagine Aguero comes in, despite Gabriel Jesus'
1: hat-trick. Yeah, I think so. Mm. Uh, It's good for him as well. Jesus is now getting back to the form he was 16 months ago. He's had a rough
2: start to this year, hasn't he, Jesus? Well, he's had a few
1: injuries, and then, obviously, Aguero's form has made, made him have to sit and wait, which is, you know, he's had to be patient, so good for him, it just, you know, the juggernaut just continues. Who's going to win
4: this game, though? On paper, it should be City, right? It yeah. should be easily beating Manchester United with the form that they're, both clubs are in, but like we saw last season, this game, they might Manchester United might just raise that level.
3: I just think Pep's one of those people, he improves players, and I just think himself, he's got something in his mind how to combat what united are going to want to do and that is get the ball in the box as often as possible and i think some way he would have combat he doesn't the same thing isn't going to happen to him twice as you don't suddenly go and lose 3-0 at home and then go and lose Three 0 in your next game. You you stop that by saying we're not going to concede, and you make that your make that your statement. Like you don't do it. Well, I think yeah. if, if Man, Man United
1: are to win, it has to be something similar to Juventus. They've got to get whatever chances they have got. They got to take. Mm. It's as simple as that. There, they can't afford to miss. I think City will dominate possession, 70 percent, uh, and United will be living off scraps.
2: Two other teams unbeaten at the top of the Premier League. We'll talk about them: Chelsea and Liverpool.
0: Still Mane bursting into the penalty area, back towards Lalana, and then it falls to Sturridge, who somehow, from seven yards out, lifts the ball over the top of the crossbar with not a defender in sight. That is a massive miss. Kovacic making of himself in there as well, it's not the worst of balls. It's come from Morata at the far post, and he's picked out the bottom corner. From the narrowest of
2: angles. Right, let's talk about Liverpool. They take on Fulham, twelve o'clock UK time on Sunday. The Reds unbeaten in their last twenty-six Premier League home games, their longest run of unbeaten matches at Anfield since two thousand nine. Fulham are coming into this weekend, one of just three teams yet to keep a clean sheet in English League football this season. The other two, anybody? Cardiff. Oh, it's good, but it's not right. That was my Irish impression. I won't do that again. Uh, Macclesfield and Sheffield Wednesday, uh, the other two teams. Uh, Let's talk Liverpool first. Uh, Steve, let's come to you first on this. Beaten in midweek by a red star, Belgrade. Didn't start Roberto Firmino in the game. Sturridge got the nod instead. Um, What impact will that defeat have on this weekend? Do you see many changes?
1: Um, I think there'll be changes, but I don't think it'll have any effect. I think Fulham look like uh, the manager, you know, you wouldn't like to think he's going to get sacked after playing away at Anfield, but if they get a good hide, I, I, I could see him going. I, I think, think that's if, the only way. Can I, I think it's that's a hide, hide. And I think the problem with Fulham is they have lost against the rivals around them. And, and that, and that and killed, lost badly as and well. Lost badly, mm-hmm. and that kills you uh, as a manager. You know they've got their mini league, and you've got to win win them games. You'd like to think that he won't be judged from Fulham's point of view. You hope he at least puts up a good performance, and it's not a not a surrender. But uh, you know, I can only see a victory for Liverpool.
2: Dave Slavica Ikanovic, a man you know well from his time at Watford, and of course being a journalist in football. Um, <laughs> Lots of talk that Scott Parker might be coming in to replace him. There's been links with, um, of course, he's working at the club right now. That was the, the story in the paper on Thursday. Uh, obviously, the David Moyes, Sam Allardyce specter hangs over every manager at this time of the season. Why has it gone so wrong for him at the start of this campaign? What's he done wrong?
4: Well, I think you've got to look at the the defence and that it's changed so much as we, we spoke about nearly every time we've spoken about Fulham this season on, on the show is that defence has changed week in, week out. They had a really good unit. Last season, and they they were given plaudits for the way they played football and their attacking football, and that was brilliant. But it was also grounded on having a really solid back four. And that was completely obliterated in the summer. An influx of new players have come in. And it, he's had a few injuries as well. And it just seems that he hasn't been able to find the right balance and the right mixture throughout the whole team to hit the ground running. Everyone just assumed that because they'd spent £100 million in the summer and they brought some real headline names, they were going to kick on and them and Wolves were going to be up in the, you know, in the top echelons of, of the top half of the table. Mm. But it's been a disaster so far He's clearly under pressure As any manager would be At the bottom of the table In that situation But a a defeat to Liverpool Mm. I mean that shouldn't really be The casting vote on whether You lose your job If you're the Fulham manager As you
3: said earlier Unless it's something embarrassing Uh, Yeah And the last time There was anything embarrassing At Liverpool with Fulham I was involved in it We got beat (laughs) 10-0
4: Okay right So that's the bar bar, right
3: I I thought I'd throw that one in Just in case you've got it Written (laughs) down in a bit (laughs)
2: of paper In other words That's that one gone In other words (laughs) I'm I'm deflecting there by the way
3: <laughs> but my take on in the moment is that I just think Yukanovich first of all is they spent a hundred million but that wasn't all he wanted to do. All all him. I think some of it was yeah. other people had there's to say been, that. There's been historic problems with yeah, that, haven't there? And that's the still yeah. and that's still going on by the way within that club. I have to look at it as well is that when you um when you do get promotion and I've never been in a in a side <clears throat> properly there's one promotion, but we've seen it in recent seasons over the Premier League. A lot of managers, you know, they say you shouldn't really involve sentiment in football, but a lot of them do because they stick with a lot of the players who come up. They want harmony. They want those players have earned the right and mm. getting up from the championship and going through the playoffs and then winning that final. It must be amazing to do that. Yeah. Winning a league title to winning an FA Cup. You, I, I think it's completely different for doing what those players have done to to achieve that. And then all of a sudden, you walk in. Your first day back after your summer off and the enjoyment and everyone patting your back and all of a sudden there's half a dozen new players on one side and there's all the oldies the other side and all of a sudden those ones come straight in and you're not there. I think you lose a bit and I think yeah. Fulham might have lost that a little bit because they looked disjointed against okay. Huddersfield. They couldn't have, before. The one thing everyone said about Fulham they over they overpassed. They couldn't even pass against Huddersfield, and I think they've lost that continuity. Yeah. They've lost that harmony
1: they had in that dressing room. Well, certainly, if you're bringing players in that are on treble, what the players got to get them in the Premier League, mm. you know. Unless, and it's like anything, if you're winning games of football, it's not an yeah. issue, Paul. Yeah. you know, you go along with. But when you're losing games of football, it then becomes an issue in in the camp, and where there's a split between. The guys have got them promoted And the guys come come in I don't know But Sooner or later they, They've got to try and Eke out a result Obviously they're not going to Get anything at Anfield I think the big one The week after is Southampton at home You know then they've got Chelsea away <coughs> And then they've got another I think they've got Leicester, and Leicester, Leicester at home, at home. Yeah. So, Then United you know, away And United away So really For that's me tough. He's got to win them Two games at home And, that, and that's really Else You can't see anything but him being out of a job Unless the they Arsenal.
2: lose 10-0 and he should be sacked. <laughs> and any player who played that day should probably never have played again. I think we can all agree on that.
1: Uh, let's move on.
3: I, I want to say <laughs> let's move on there, but you're in charge, so I'm glad you said it. <laughs> uh,
2: let's move on to Chelsea against Everton. 2.15 UK time on Sunday. Chelsea looking to remain unbeaten in their opening 12 games in the top-flight season for only the second time in their history. It was 14 uh, back in 2014. Everton have won just one of their last 16 away Premier League games in London, losing the four games in 2018 in the capital city. Uh, Chelsea play on Thursday, so of course we're recording this before that game, but we'd imagine they've made lots of changes for their Europa League game. Uh, Eden Hazard came on last week and saved the day. Looks like he's going to be fit enough to start this weekend, and he does make such a big difference, doesn't he? An
3: oh, amazing amount of difference for a side of the stature of Chelsea as such, that they still rely on one player as such, and not he? He's an amazing player. You have to say that. There's nothing else you can say about it. the difference he makes to that team and the belief he must give those players that when he's on the park or if he's sitting on the bench and as we saw mid, as we've seen midweek, they need him. Yeah. they can't do without him.
2: Can I ask you about Morata though? I think that's quite interesting. He scored a couple of goals last week and has been talking about a return to confidence, return to form. He feels better about himself. Then Maurizio Sarri, after the game, said he's a bit of a fragile character. I found that a a little bit strange that when he's finally returned to his form, the manager is publicly saying, I find him a bit fragile. Am I reading too much into that? I thought it was a bit odd thing to say.
1: Well, you would have thought so. You're trying to build him up and and Paul will tell you, no matter what anybody says, when you're at the top of your game, you don't think about things. And it must be even harder for a striker when you're low in confidence and the chances are coming. And I think he's openly turned out and said, listen, he wasn't making runs because he didn't want to miss chances. You know, he wasn't mm-hmm. doing his normal thing, and that's a lack of confidence that he's feared to miss. So it was good for the player. You know, he's got a couple of goals. Hopefully that'll kick-start him. Uh, and like you say, with ha- Hazard coming back, you know, it's a great man to do the supply line.
2: Uh, Everton briefly victorious last week with Charlson with a couple of goals. We've been speaking on this yeah. programme, Dave, about getting him centre-forward for a few weeks and a couple of near-misses, but last week he was fantastic.
4: He's, he's a terrific player. I think he's only going to get better and better, to be honest. He's, He's, he, uh, you spoke about confidence there with Morata that was the big issue for him last season he had a couple of games in the transition between Marco Silva and Javi Gracio when the new manager came in at Watford he just completely lost his confidence missed a few ch- easy chances and then he just couldn't hit a barn door for the rest of the season but he got a goal in the first game th- of this season away to Walter Everton A two goals in fact that day and He's never looked back, and I think he's a young player. He's confident. You give him the ball in the right areas at the moment, and he's going to cause any team problems. But he, he himself is a is a a worry for Chelsea. But as a team, Everton, do we
3: see anything from them that is going to trouble Chelsea? Really, I don't away from home. I was disappointed. I was at, um, I was at Old Trafford. And, um, I saw him there the early other weekend, and. I really thought Everton were going to do something because they've got a horrendous record at Old Trafford. I think mm. it's 1 in 28 e- games. Even
4: worse at Stamford Bridge. Yeah. Right, 1 okay. in 23 there. Right.
3: So um, so I kind of saw them there. First half weren't really fussed. Weren't really fussed at all. In fact, they did start with 10, 10 men, by the way. People shouting out over the tannoy asking for Walcott to come out when he's ready. But um, and someone said they took him off. They did a substitution. I don't know why they'd done it because he was already off. But um, they were really missed an open goal last week as well, didn't yeah. he? Poor Theo. But the second half performance against Manchester United, they'll be saying they would have said to themselves, we should have got a point out of that. So there is something about them when they go away from home, and and that word used by. Mr Neville, well, I'm going to turn around and use it against for Everton. They're a bit flaky away from home. Yeah. They have got pace, though, in in wide areas. Chelsea playing a high
4: line.
1: Yeah, but if you don't want to defend, you know what I mean? Yeah. If you don't want to run back and defend, because, listen, it goes without saying, when you're away away from home, you're going to have less possession. So so, so you've got to defend, you've got to be resilient, you've got to be dogged, you know what I mean? And especially with the likes of going away to Chelsea. You You know, if you get 30% possession, you're lucky. It's as simple as that there. So, Mm. you you know, you don't need to be inside to realise, listen, you're going to have to defend them. You're going to have to work as a unit. But they can cause some damage with some of the players they've they've got. got got. Bernard,
2: Sigurdsson,
3: Andre Gomez looked good last couple of weeks as well. Um, Can I just butt in there? Um, Gomez was absolutely fantastic at Old Trafford. I didn't realise how good a play he was. In possession of the ball, he is... He's, just just in a manner, people were hitting him, hitting him, and he was standing on his feet, not falling down. He wanted, he showed his strength, good pass through the ball. He was mostly their best player at Old Trafford at, at that time. He was absolutely fantastic in that game. Right, we've
2: got to move on. Let's talk about Newcastle and Huddersfield up next. They won last week. Is this script right? All right, we'll do it. for 20% off your first system.
0: The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch with the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions. You'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at com. 18plus org. T's and C's apply. The free kick came into the penalty area and there was Iose Perez to deflect it into the back of the net. It's Newcastle one. Watford nil. It'll be Lerbe again to take the corner from the near touchline. Left footed out, Swinger once more. Headed back to Lever. There's a fuller player down in the penalty area. Huddersfield have continued and Huddersfield have taken the lead. In controversial circumstances.
2: Newcastle against Bournemouth and Huddersfield against West Ham. Two games Saturday, three o'clock UK time. Um, incredible story last week, really, lads. Uh, Newcastle victorious against Watford despite being outplayed for much of that game. Uh, Huddersfield, I mean, if you weren't going to score and win against Fulham at home, you were never going to do it uh, in the only weeks of the Premier League. From what we've seen, um, let's talk about those two teams. Well, starting they with they Newcastle. technically didn't really score. No, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's the thing: is it was an own goal. So I'm still saying no one scored. Right at home since Tom Ince in April, April yeah. I think against so we, we Watford, can still yeah. do that uh, was it against Watford you would, yeah, you would know that mm. Uh, mm. let's talk about Newcastle first um, they were outplayed for a lot of the game against Watford but kind of a bit like Manu in Turin in a lot of ways they hung on in there they got a chance uh, it was taken by Jose Perez kept a clean sheet and and Bournemouth at home, it's traditionally a tough game for them, but there's every chance they could win this. Yeah. I
3: look at Newcastle when it's a case of the players, are re- the manner in which they're playing relates to the manager's yeah. attitude, and they know in themselves is that anything they do wrong and the manner they do it, everything's going to get blamed on the person at the top. Even the fans, all they're bothered about is the man at the top. The Newcastle fans were used to them saying, we love our team, yeah. we're this, we're that. I think really in theory, they've got to get behind the team and forget about the person who's running it. Easy to say because I'm not Mr Football fan, I'm not a Newcastle fan, but the person at the top is not going to affect how the team plays. That's all personal things going on, all whatever infrastructure with the club and not putting money into the club. It's about their team. And Newcastle, with what they've got and the manager they've got, should be doing a damn sight better mm. than what they are mm. now. Their application, and when I saw it when I was at Crystal Palace, I saw them play there, was absolutely embarrassing. Mm. To play like that away from home, if that was me and I was getting the coach and I'm thinking about the one person who was managing me, was Alex Ferguson at that time, we'd have performed like that, and we would not have wanted to get on that coach because he could have pinned you down for that four and a half hour journey back to Manchester, and you would have come off that coach and everything would have gone. Everything. He would have ripped everything. Even just the fact that if he didn't open his mouth,
1: you would feel it. Benitez is just maybe not he's, fussed. Maybe he's hiding behind a little bit of the owner as well. You know, it's taking yeah. the pressure off him because he can do no wrong. I, I've watched Newcastle a lot this year, and, and to be fair, it is, it's an interpretation of the way the manager is, but. I still don't think they've got great quality. You know, bottom line, listen, they should be doing better, but how much better? 3 or 4 points. Yeah. I don't I don't I don't see them. I see them if they finish 13th, 14th. That's about where that squad is. As mm. you know, is good and I think the fortunate thing for Newcastle is there's quite a few other teams that are struggling at the minute. They're not cut adrift where mm. they could quite easily be.
2: Going to be tough against Bournemouth. Uh, beaten by Manu last week. Their first twenty minutes, they should have been out of sight. Uh, missed a couple of chances and all that sort of stuff, and then were pegged back late by Manu. Um, and they often win here. Uh, was it last, last, late uh, late goal last year? I think Steve Cook last minute uh, got them a victory. Uh, they're looking to secure three consecutive away wins
4: in the Premier League. I think they go there confident. Yeah. I, think, I think Eddie Howe and his staff will watch that game last week against Watford, and as you said. Watford probably should have won that game. Had a lot of chances. Newcastle did hang in there, but on balance of play, they weren't the better team. And Bournemouth have been doing very well this season. They will take some amount of heart although they'll be disappointed that they fell away in that game against Manchester United, but it is against Manchester United, you know. So I think they've got nothing to fear.
1: I think the thing I like about Eddie Howe is he's realized that you've got to score goals in the Premier League if you want to win games. So all right being resilient and things like that there. That's why they're so open. That's why they can teams can come from behind but you've got to remember as well they've come from behind a lot this season and that's the way they play they're open they take risks and I really like the formation that they play they're very attacking they get people forward they get the full backs forward they, they get out of shape whereas Newcastle are the total opposite they're mm. very rigid very structured and that's why they don't score enough goals and he's still being brave as a manager as well with a young lad Brooks he looks a proper oh, talent he, he as well. does
3: as well we he's yeah. him, found him at Sheffi- in Sheffield yeah. lad wasn't playing regularly and he's pulled him in and you, you think he's been around it a long long he's time he's thinking
1: outside the box there yeah. is players in the lower leagues but they've oh, got course. to have managers that give them an opportunity and you know, you've know, you got to tip your heart to Eddie for doing that
2: yeah. um, really briefly uh, we're coming up to the Wayne Rooney testimonial weekend of course uh, Callum Wilson we don't know if he's in the England squad or not but being as they just give him out for free these days he's got to be right he's been fantastic this season up front
3: yeah he's he's, do, he's done very very well and to be honest if he's going to have a go and if they're going to pull him in you've got to pull him in now while he's on that high while he's feeling good if they suddenly pull him in and things ain't going right for him it's all wrong if the way that Gareth Southgate has talked about it then it should be now is there a striker doing better than him at this moment in time I don't think there is even hmm. Harry Kane Harry Kane might have goals, but performance-wise, he's been very, very poor. But he's got the armband, so he's going to be there. But if you're looking outside of Harry Kane, English strikers, there isn't many really there who are doing it. Now Vardy has announced his international retirement, then obviously there's a, still a space and available. And this is the perfect
4: game for him to do it. You don't want to throw him in against Croatia, which could potentially be a, a very important match. We could get to the Nations League Finals against USA.
2: Hmm. Yeah.
1: Give him a go. Start him. I think start. Don't you know You got. Start him. Well, he's that. got
2: to bring Rooney on, has not he? So he's going to have to start yeah. him. Someone's yeah. got to come off for of yeah. Wayne.
1: Well, at the end of the day, I think in the kid. You look at his pace. You look at his movement. His finishing. Mm. He, he, he ticks all the boxes, doesn't he? Yeah. fantastic in, in today's in today's way it's gone with
3: international football. I agree what Steve said, but I was looking at it during my time. I spent six, seven months watching games in the stand and on the bench before Bobby Robson gave me my first cap Mm -hmm. and we are still a little bit sharp giving them out quickly but in today's different times times it's you can see there were a lot now. more English players of yeah. quality back then yeah. so it, well, you know? I wasn't quality then is you saying <laughs> you were one of the many <laughs> the many players and you
2: were quality yeah. Yeah. Thank,
3: yeah. Tom you've done well but thank you bro. but now you, no, about,
2: about that 10-0 you kind of shouldn't have gone to Italian 90 but we've got to move on you'd have 100
4: caps if you were playing
2: nowadays <laughs> you probably would <laughs> yeah. uh, listen we've got to move on uh, Huddersfield Town against West Ham United Huddersfield victorious on Monday Um, tough old slog of a match no doubt about it but they got uh, but they got their creative talents forward they got Pritchard forward they got Moy forward they got Hadajonai attacking down the right hand side they create a lot of chances uh, against Fulham do they go equally as on the front foot against West Ham
3: at the weekend? I don't really think so I think that's as open as we've seen Huddersfield ever ever I think last season they tr- their first season they tried it a few times and they got smashed at home by the big boys mm. but um, I don't think they'll go that open against um, West Ham I think they know that West Ham are a lot better than Fulham um, West Ham are maybe not going to pass the ball as much and to be honest Moy is their main player but with West Ham when you've got someone like Declan Rice in there who, who can get close to people will get close to him and will take a lot away from what Moy does you have to look at it and say that Huddersfield could go back to normal
2: And what about West Ham from last week uh, 4-2 winners against Burnley First half could have been out of sight They were fantastic in that opening 45 minutes They scored goals, created chances um, Were we'll pegged back a couple of times and it probably could have been 3-3 before it ended up being 4-2 What do you make of them Steve? Yeah
1: it was a strange old game like you said um, Burnley to be fair was as poor as Burnley I've seen since they've come up to the Premier League they were awful um, but not taking enough on the way from West Ham Anderson looked like more like it the player that can create yeah. and score goals obviously you've got Naltovich, who you know is awesome if you know God forbid if he was to get injured it a little doubt this weekend as he always oh, is well, with that knee he's got a situation where his knee ongoing but he would be a massive blow Um so I think yeah from Huddersfield's point of view I think they'll have one eye on West Ham's attacking threat a lot better than Fulham's so it so will be a little bit more measured West Ham they need to. I don't know what the start was. We we were trying to find it, but it's been a long time since they've won. Yeah, back last to back, time they back won back-to-back
2: Premier, Premier League wins uh, was January 2017.
1: So it's, it's it's a big game for both teams because obviously if Huddersfield could get back-to-back wins, be a massive boost for them. If West Ham can get it, it gets them up to mid-table and have has plenty of breathing room from and then they can actually try and relax and start playing some football because it has been the last six or seven, eight games there's been pressure on it I know there's pressure in every Premier League game but it seems to be that the players just can't relax at the minute and I think a couple more wins I think hopefully we'll see the real West Ham
4: I was at West Ham on Saturday for the game but I was also at the stadium on Wednesday this week for a launch of a community project and everyone was on their best behaviour as you would be at this event but it was interesting just watching them when the cameras weren't on them and they were and they were in, they were getting involved with the kids and doing some bit of drills and stuff on the pitch they all seemed they all seemed genuinely quite happy they seemed quite together there was a lot of banter between the squad Mark Noble got them off early at the end as well which they were all very pleased about um and I, I just felt a good vibe in the stadium on on Saturday as well which I, certainly as we know hasn't always been the case in the last few seasons and you know, you had graded Diangana playing very well, a young kid who's come into the team sort of out of nowhere and has seized the opportunity. And I think it's so important, as Steve said, if they get this back to back wins and they can crucially start building some momentum, if they can sort, so, the, if they can sort the fitness problems out as well, there's
1: There's been yeah. signs, haven't they? They very unlucky against Leicester. Re- resolute display after going down to 10 men, deflection kills them. I think even the Tottenham game, they should have easily got a draw. You know, Release made three. Top top saves today. Mm. To you know they should maybe even won that game.
2: Brighton as well missed some chances, big chances. Didn't exactly,
1: they? and the cup game as well. You know, so there, there, there has been signs. So I think the West Ham went the fans will accept if you're going out and attacking and trying to create chances, they will accept that. Mm. And I think there there has been a feeling amongst the fans that at least we're we'll going out and trying and, listen I know it's a bit of a cliche what is the West Ham way for me it's about attacking football go and, go and try and win games uh, and to be fair to, to the team they have been trying to do that
2: yeah it's been great to see uh, big game for West Ham as it is for Huddersfield on Saturday got to move on next up we'll talk about Southampton who have sacked Les Reid this week big story maybe Mark Hughes to follow <laughs>
3: Manchester City 6, Southampton 1. The last time
2: Mark Hughes brought a team to the Etihad was with Stoke City just over a year ago. That ended 7-2, so a five-goal deficit again for his Southampton side. Right, let's talk about Southampton up against Watford. Three o'clock UK time on Saturday. Um, On Southampton, uh, we heard on Thursday they party company with Les Reid. The official statement of the club thanked... Uh, Les Reid for his work he's been in charge of the transfer business been in charge for the last what decade or so that's seen a lot of talent go out the door uh, just this summer we saw Dusan Tadic leave replaced by Elianusi uh, we've seen people like uh, Graziano Pella leave replaced by uh, Manolo Gabbiadini who's not quite done it um, they said they want to find a new direction uh, eight years he's been there at the club um, will they find a new direction as well by maybe changing manager should they lose against Watford this weekend and should they?
3: Um, I think we have to look at it somewhere along the line. Um, <clears throat> isn't working with Sparky. He hasn't nothing's really changed and what it has been under maybe their previous two managers. I think the fans could say more about it than what I can. But if you're looking at the way Southampton have been, they was running like a little mini business, producing something, can we sell it on for a profit? Money money in a bank must be great. But after a while I think those Southampton fans who love good footballs love their big names down there. There's a little something about that little club in Hampshire, which everyone seems to like, and they They always finish within that top, always the top eight. There was always in and around big games. And that's that,
2: overperforming, isn't it, yeah, for the, what they spent? For what they
3: spent, yes, without a doubt. But now, as we know, football is about cycles, and for them, that kind of bring those players coming through, flourishing, selling them on, has gone. So that profit has gone what they was earning all the time. That that those quality players coming through to enhance the team, to to improve them, add energy, add guile, add everything that young players have got has gone as well. Now we're seeing a team that is playing at a snail's place, snail's pace, mm. with nothing there, no no improvisation, no creativity, very very negative side at the moment.
1: Southampton. I, I look at it a different way. Are they? And are they going to back Mark Hughes? Has he turned around and said, all right, this has worked for a while, but it's not going to continue forever. I want more of a focus as a manager. I want to pick my players. I want to live and die by the results, not by somebody else's. And maybe it's been a choice of, is it Les Reid or is it Mark Hughes? And Mm. and they decided to go with Mark Hughes. Only time will tell. But you're looking at it and thinking, you can't keep pulling rabbit from the hat. You can't keep bringing players in and selling them for the profit. You can do it for a while. But, you know you can 't continually and definitely doing that there it 's an impossibility yeah. i' just wonder how many if we say top sides in the Premier League
3: are in that kind of have a, an individual buying the players for the manager because yeah. it 's something obviously
1: we didn 't know about during our time playing yeah. in the Pre- football League premier League. We were always with managers who wanted to live and die by, 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 by the players they brought in. You know, It has changed and it has worked a well while at Southampton, but it's definitely gone stale over the last 18 months.
4: You're right, a, a lot of clubs do operate that model, not just in the Premier League, across, across, the, the, club, across the big for, clubs. You know? from and, from and It has been proven to work, but you've got to be really, really sharp on the recruitment side. The players that they brought in the last few seasons just haven't simply been as good as the ones they brought in before. They haven't had a Van Dyke or a Wan Yama or a Tadic or any of those players, or yeah. Sadio Mane. All of a sudden, it's Buffal, who they spent big money on didn't do anything. It was a flop. El Yunusi not been very but good. But that was a Perel pick, wasn't it? I think Buffal. It was a personal yeah. pick and it didn't work out. Gabbiadini showed a little bit of a flash at the start as tra- as trailed off. So you've got to. It's, it, you, you say you live and die by your signings, no, no matter who's picking them, whether it's the manager or the or the vice chairman or whatever they're called. The
1: team's success will yeah, but, live and but, die by but the from signings. A, from a manager's it? point of view, if you're basically if you're going with if the six signings are Leeds' signings, and and he's gone out and he's performing horrendously, the manager's getting judged on that. Is that is that fair? That's what I ask. Maybe you do. not, but I'd, I'd say that
4: most clubs that operate this sort of model, it's not probably as cut and dry as. You know, here's the six players we've signed this summer, get on with it. There's a discussion, there'll be conversations, there'll be, well, we've got four options in this position, four options in this position, this one's most likely, what do you think? And you come to a consensus, is my understanding. I think that works you know, with managers
3: yeah? who are coming from that system, I Probably, think, the yeah. is there's managers here who have been doing it a well while, and all of a sudden someone says, like what's happened at Fulham, they don't want to do it that way, they want to do it on their own. Now, can you imagine that one? You're sitting there and everything, and you're having to go to the manager because he's done this, done that, and he turns around and says to you, oh, by the way, I didn't want you anyway. I didn't want to sign you. Yeah. And you're sitting there and he says that to you. Yeah. How are you going to feel as a person, as a as a man, that someone saying, I didn't want to sign you. I'm only playing because he wanted you over there. You'd, you'd just, you you just was on a list and re-recru- re-recruited you off of stats. And we I didn't want you. I mean, yeah. now, how many times has that happened? Or... When it does happen, what's going to happen you do, next? You definitely
4: need the buy-in, and, and the example is Javi Grass at Watford. From day one, in the first press conference that he had as Watford manager, I was there, he was asked, it was in January, are you going to be buying this player, are you going to sell decor over Charles and all this? He said, I don't care, I'm here to be the coach. Whatever players I have to work with, I'll talk to the club about them, but my job is to make sure that my squad of players is best prepared for the football matches and we know how to win matches and, and do well and you have to want to do that I think and somebody like Mark Hughes is from the old school he's from a different generation who just probably isn't best suited to that model mm. but uh, as Steve said they've Southampton that's an admission on their part that th- this model that they currently operate isn't working for whatever reason so it'll be interesting to see do they replace Les Reed with someone? do they give Mark Hughes money and say, right, it's over to you, Sparky, for January? We'll wait and see. (laughs) We are
2: going to see. We've got to move on. Uh, What for the opponents this weekend? Six wins and 19 points from 11 games. Their best ever start to a top-flight season. They want to come back from that loss against Newcastle too. Let's talk about Arsenal up against Wolverhampton Wanderers. 4.30 UK time on Sunday. The Gunners unbeaten in nine Premier League games. Seven wins and two draws in that time. After a six-game unbeaten run, Wolves have lost their last three Premier League games. It has been a tough few weeks for Wolverhampton Wanderers and the way Arsenal have played Paul in the last few weeks I think this might be another tough afternoon
3: it is going to be a tough afternoon I know one thing it's going to be a good game of football by the way And that's one thing that's a guarantee <laughs> with Wolves. They're, they're decent they stick to their principles I like their coach I like his manner the way he is and I like love the way that they play they've got some good individual players some great players as well mm-hmm. but, and I, but you have to say Arsenal and I think all of us Sat around and we we're waiting for Arsenal. We saw the way they started. You think, "So this is, this is going to take a while to get sorted out." He has come in, Emery, and I, I like, I liked him from Sevilla, the way he'd done it there, and I tell you what, I'm liking him even more now. The way Arsenal have just got better, and the individual players are all coming through yeah. now as well and getting better individually. That means the team's getting better. He's still not sure. About his front line, yeah, I still, I still, I still bet he keeps flipping in and out of. But, but scoring goals whilst scoring being goal, unsure isn't too yeah, bad. Yeah. But defensively, there's still a lot of work yeah. to be done. We
2: can agree, though. Emery has moved them on. They've got a great fighting spirit. Players are being individually trained. Iwobi, Xhaka, all improving. Tough, tough task for Wolverhampton Wanderers this weekend. Uh, Crystal Palace up against Tottenham is 5 30 on Saturday. Palace winless in their five Premier League home games. Their longest run at the start of a season since 1997. Spurs have won more Premier League games in this calendar year. They do this every year, don't they, than any other side. 11 victories in 2018. Uh, they won in the Champions League in midweek. Steve Tottenham Hotspur. And I'll tell you what, they do really well. Uh, they've got a lot of great footballers, play a lot of great football. Lamella's look good, Morris look good, all this. But they're the only team really up there, maybe United as well, They look for the aerial diagonal to Harry Kane and teams kind of don't know what to do with it. And he's fantastic at either knocking it on or bringing other players in. It's weird, it's so simple.
1: But that normal diagonal is hit by Ericsson. He puts it in with a feather glove. What (laughs) What a player he is now. He is... Him and Hurricane, two genuine world class players. I watched him against you know, he'd just come back, I watched him against West Ham Midweek. What a player he is. He is absolutely a delight to watch and um but it's it, it's a decent ball. It's the one ball that you struggle struggle to, to defend. You can defend and defeat, get people shielding, but that little diagonal Good movement. It's hard to defend, doesn't it, Paul? As a, as a, a former fullback. Oh, it is. It is. It's difficult to defend, and More than anything, even if the defender wins it, there's enough
3: players around yeah. on that side to pick up the pieces. After you can he can either take it down or you can he can head it back. It, it opens it opens the game up. So something. is like going backwards. It's like just put a pair of flares on for the day. Mm. <laughs> That's what it's about. It's an old it's old fa- yeah. You know,
1: it's good. It it's good. For at, the, exactly. Steve has. <laughs>
3: <laughs> He's seen <in> my legs. <laughs> <laughs>
2: i uh, got to ask you about Crystal Palace. Uh, against Chelsea last week, they were very much in that game for a long spell of it. But the issue is that Zaha carries him forward and he looks right, he looks left, and there's nobody. They've got to get someone up there to support Wilfred Zaha if yeah, they're going to score a goal, are not they? They
3: do need, a, they need someone else there. They need a focal point to rely on, you know, Ben Benteke, keep mentioning him, feel sorry for him. But in the end, again, you can't keep feeling sorry for players after a while. You, they have to be doing it. Yeah. But Crystal Palace are a good team every time they go away from home the only thing they disappoint in is scoring goals and winning games. They are a good side. They're a good side at home. Very good at home. They've only scored two goals at home all yeah. season. And they, you know, they struggle. They, and those goals come against Arsenal. Yeah.
2: Relatively tough games, do not they? They've had Liverpool, yeah. Arsenal. And they've uh, competed they got this in every game
1: yeah, yeah. every game time. they haven't I, been embarrassed maybe they're a better team away from home where teams come on to them and they can utilise a mm. PS at home where there's a little bit more you know, you've got to you know, eke it out yourself. Maybe they don't. They find that a little bit more difficult. and Of course, they will do. When you've not got a main striker, you can't be relying on a on a left winger to produce for you all the time. It's yeah. you know, it's sometimes he's going to be shackled. Yeah, they're just they're decent as
3: well. Yeah. I just look at them defensively. The two centre halves for me, they've got maybe one of the best right backs, up and coming right backs in the Premier League, in Wan Passaka. Mm great defensively confidence going forward now they're a decent side to side the left back as well the Dutch boy
4: yeah. Van Aon good player scores, it's, goals. it's all in vain though isn't it if you can't score it's no good being good all season yeah. saying they're decent trust
1: you <laughs> it's a famous saying you're only as good as your front two or your front one yeah. and at the minute you know they got a front nun <laughs> uh, And again he comes in with one pair. Uh,
2: eight goals all season, just one point in five. Tougher Palace against Spurs this weekend. What about Cardiff against Brighton? Twelve thirty on Saturday. Wake up lads! It is going to be a good one. Maybe not nil nil a favourite result. I can tell you, Cardiff and Brighton have never faced each other before in a top flight fixture. This is our fourth new top flight game this season. A little bit of trivia for you. Uh, important game for Cardiff. These kind of games, they've done it against Fulham. Uh, uh, Brighton are a side that will look to try and
1: nick a goal and, and keep a clean I sheet. I think the trivia might be better than the game. <laughs> but uh, yeah. no, I think it's a massive game for, for both clubs because obviously, from Cardiff's point of view, these are games they've got to win. If they have any chance, they've got to win. From Brighton, where they have been really good this year, nicking little 1 0s with teams around them. And for a team that wants to stay in the Premier League a la Brighton, a la Cardiff. That's essential. It's not what you do against the top six. It's these games here and you know Cardiff have, have got to get a win. It's as simple as that. They have to, without
3: a doubt. And I'm 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 thinking to myself, this has to be Brighton. I'm really looking at it. I'm I'm sure that Chris Houghton is saying to himself, we're better than them. We've moved on now we, you know in the Premier League. We've done ourselves justice in in big games, in other games, we haven't done it we haven't got the result that we that we deserved. I think Brighton should go there and win this game against yeah. Cardiff. Yeah. I f- for me, Cardiff are like, not going to be a no, Premier League no. side next season. I, I can't see that
4: happening. I think they'd have more chance of being one if they had someone like Glenn Murray playing for yeah. them. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. that could be the difference. Yeah. Uh,
2: one final game to mention uh, Leicester against Burnley. Burnley uh, first, <laughs> briefly. Uh, 25 goals conceded in their 11 Premier League games. Uh, they conceded just nine in 11 last season. Four goals uh, minimum in each of their last three. Awful defensively against West Ham. People like James Tukowski, poor game. Joe Hart conceding lots of goals. Why are they conceding so many at the minute?
3: If, if be honest, if I could, had an answer, I'd be on that first train up to Burnley and I'd be coming, becoming their defensive coach. <laughs> we, we, we spoke
1: about it before, Paul. Quality players. Have, have they Have they started to believe their own hype? Because that, for me, wasn't. And I'm sure Sean Dice... We'll be speaking them for this week. That is not our DNA. That's not us. We can lose. Yes, of course we can lose in the Premier League. We're Burnley. But we lose going down, fighting, dogged, rigid, everybody knowing the rules. nobody taking any risks and doing what they want. You're a cog in the team. And last week, it looked like they were just doing what they want. We're now in the Premier League. We're going to start playing open football because we're such good footballers. And let's have a right, they're not. They're not. They're they're fighting. to For me... The way they stayed in the Premier League, fighting for their lives, you know, because they were hungry players, it looked like to me. And I'm hoping wrong because I like Burnley, I like Sean. It looked like his players now started to think that it's about something else.
3: Yeah, they stopped knocking the ball long. They didn't go long at all. He brings on Volks and Woods at the back end. They get themselves back into it off the Woods header, mm. and you think yourself, here we go. Bernie are getting backed, <clears and throat> using using what Steve just used, Then you going back to with the DNA that everyone knows they've got. But then obviously they get beat. But you think, so why, why aren't they doing that no more? They were overpassing, and West Ham were breaking them down in midfield and playing through them in midfield. You don't normally get that. There wasn't even any niggly fouls yeah. to stop and play But you think, so that's not Burnley. Burnley don't do that. Then you think, so their centre halves are just going to go there, head and volley. <laughs> Defend first, yeah. play if we've got 20 acres. Not 20 acres, just get it forward as quick as possible they're not doing it anymore
2: uh, and a final word this week uh, on Leicester City in this game they're going to pay tribute to their former owner who sadly passed away a couple of weeks ago there was a lot of tributes to him last week of course the boss uh, all those t-shirts the fans wore uh, the memorials are going to be moved to an area where, where fans can go and pay their respects and there's going to be uh, some special embroidering on, on the shirts as well uh, just on the football from last week Paul uh, it obviously was was very tough for a lot of those players but it was such a great performance uh, against Cardiff City Amazing be one of the easier places to go in a lot of ways because Cardiff aren't a particularly good Premier League side but it was a really intense professional performance and we'll see something similar this week
3: won't we oh without a doubt and it would have been difficult for those players to do to To play in that game, I mean, there was a perfect excuse for them not for it to work out because there was a lot on them. So to come through that is very, very difficult.
4: It'll be the same this week as well. I mean, you saw the emotion before kick-off last week, understandably. And I I suppose the difference this week, last week was kind of about the players and the staff and there were some fans there, some Leicester fans, but it it was their first opportunity to get back to action after the tragedy this weekend. It's the city of Leicester. Coming together for the first time since the tragedy to pay tribute to the owners and the others that lost their lives, football again will kind of take a back seat but again it's a in times like this it can be a positive distraction if that's the right word and it'll be it'll be a very emotional occasion and I think I think it will be a similar sort of atmosphere to last week from the lesser Dave, players.
2: well said. A uh, great way to end the show for this week. Uh, thanks to Paul, thanks to Steve, and thanks to David Walker, as ever. Uh, no preview show next week. It's the Wayne Rooney International Testimonial Weekend. So we'll all be at Wembley Stadium raising our star spangled banners and raising some funds. Ticket prices, uh, ticket funds, all going to the Football Association. That's good, isn't it? Anyway, that's not for this show. That's for other weeks. Uh, we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Enjoy that football.